Well, good morning, everyone. How you doing today? Good, good. It's good to be with you. My name is Nick, and we are continuing today in our series called Unplugged. And we're talking about our relationship with technology and whether you're good with technology or maybe you're terrible with technology. This is a really important topic for all of us to talk about because I don't know if you've noticed, babies have iPads. And even grandma has a Snapchat account, okay? Technology is everywhere in our culture. You just can't avoid it. Technology, it affects our economy. Technology and media, it's affecting how we relate with one another. It's affecting how we educate our kids. It even affects, according to research, the ways that our brain works. And these are things that God cares about. So in this series, we're looking to look at the uh, ways that we can leverage technology for God's kingdom and for his glory and to bless others around us. But we're also looking to avoid some of the pitfalls that we've all experienced with technology and media in this age that we live in together. And today, we're going to be discussing the amount of time that we spend with technology, with media. And so um, no matter what you think about how much time you should or should not spend in front of a screen, one thing I think we all can agree on is that this stuff is pretty cool, right? The technology is pretty neat. It's awesome. How many of you have something like this, a smartphone? Go ahead, just throw your hands up. How many of you? They're everywhere. How many of you have a dumb phone? Going, yeah, you guys are proud. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but if you have a dumb phone, it's just like, it's just awesome, right? Because life is simpler, life is cheaper, it's great. But let me tell you what I love about my smartphone is that there's so much that's accessible to me and it's just right in my pocket, okay? I can take this phone out and just with a few little swipes and clicks and whatever, I can like look at a person and talk with them who, uh, this person is on a different part of the globe, okay? I can look at their face and have a conversation right on my phone. That's pretty cool, right? That's pretty amazing. It's pretty neat with a few little swipes on my phone, I can post a status and hundreds of people can see my thoughts and musings and whatever uh, right on my phone. All of my calendar, my to-do list, all the stuff that organizes my life, it's right here on my phone, very accessible. I, uh, I have books and movies. I can take pictures. I can even take a selfie. And if you don't know what a selfie is, a selfie is a picture that you take of your selfie. Uh, <laughs> it's a picture that you take of yourself, and a lot of people will take these pictures. They used to do them in the mirror, but now you can turn the camera and it points to you, and you can show off your muscles or how good your hair looks that day, and you can share it with all your friends, and that's a selfie. I could even take a selfie on this thing. It's pretty fun. But the thing that I've noticed is that since this stuff is so accessible, just right in my pocket, since it's just right there all the time, and it's kind of fun, it's really easy to get sucked into it. It's it just happens. It's, just, it's so easy. In fact, for me, there was a point in my life where I actually got off Facebook for a little over an entire year. And if you've ever considered doing that, give it a shot. My life got better when I did that. I got Facebook back because there's nothing wrong with Facebook. I just, for me, uh, at that time, I decided, hey, why don't I invest in some face-to-face -face relationships? But now that I have Facebook back, I can feel the pull again. Do you know what I'm talking about? The pull that maybe your favorite show gives you, the pull that Facebook has when you don't have anything to do, the pull that all those things that we have in our devices and pockets and TVs, all those things, they tend to pull us in. Like for me, maybe this has happened for you. For me, the other day, I was doing something for work and I needed to fill out a form or something like that and I needed to have someone's name spelled correctly. 
and I didn't know how to spell their last name, so I thought, well, I'll just log on to Facebook and see how they spell their name, and then I'll have what I need. So I log on to Facebook, and uh, the first thing that pops up when I log on to Facebook, it's not their profile, it's my newsfeed. And in my newsfeed, there's a bunch of pictures from a family reunion that I just went to. So I said, well, it's my family. I got to look at those pictures. And so uh, I started scrolling through the pictures, liked a few, comment on a couple of them. That's nice. Oh, I wonder what Uncle Don's up to. And so pop over to that page and I see what he's up to. And oh, I have a notification. Oh, that's real nice. Oh, look at that video. It has a cute little puppy that crawled up into the little baby's lap and it was licking the cheek and they just cuddled and it was so cute. So I watched it 12 times. Uh, don't judge me, don't judge me. There are millions of people that watch that video, okay? I just happened to watch it a million times. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's just so easy, and I eventually got to this place where, where I was just kind of scrolling on Facebook. I, was, I wasn't looking at anyone's status, I was just kind of scrolling. <laughs> and then it, it hit me. That's what it was like before I got off Facebook for a year. So I shut the thing down, and I said, Nick, what a terrible waste of time. Get back to work. So I got back to work, and then I realized I had never gotten the last name of that person that I got on Facebook in the first place. So carefully, very carefully, I log back onto Facebook. And I see a really cute puppy video, but no, I use all my spiritual self-control, and I say no. And I type in this person's first name. I find their picture. I get their their last name, and I write it down, click on their profile, and, and well, well, look at those cool vacation photos that they have, and wow, they take pictures of all these great meals that they have, and what a witty quote, and what a nice selfie, and, and it's so easy. It's so easy, because it's so accessible, and this technology and media, do you know how they make money? They make money by getting our attention and keeping it. They're good at what they do. And they know how to do it really well. And you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with Facebook, but the thing that I'm finding for me is that, that every time that I say yes with my time, I'm saying no somewhere else. Every time you say yes with your time, you're saying no somewhere else. So for me, I said yes to scrolling through Facebook and getting caught on it twice, and, and I ended up saying no to that hour of work that I really needed to do, and guess what I had to do when my wife got home? Another hour of work to get that done. So I said no to time with my wife when I said yes to scrolling through Facebook. And we see this everywhere. Have you ever been out to dinner, and you see that really cute couple, and they're out on a date, or that really nice family, and they're, they're having dinner, and everyone's in their smartphone, like everyone at the table. Have you ever seen that? Has anyone ever seen that? And, and, and it just, it happens because that's the culture that we live in. But they're saying yes to a conversation with somebody or to that sports update or to whatever it is that they have on their screen. But at the same time, they're saying no to a relational investment with the person sitting across the table. Because every yes is a no somewhere else. Or for a lot of us, we have jobs where we spend a lot of our day in front of a screen or some form of technology. And when we get home, we're just exhausted. Isn't it interesting that you can sit all day in front of a screen and you get home and you're just, you're just exhausted and you want to just rest and rejuvenate and the easiest and most accessible thing is to turn on a different screen. 
and watch that until you fall asleep and then you wake up and go back to the work screen and then to the entertainment screen, to the work screen. And is it any wonder that when we say yes to that entertainment screen that we're not revitalized for the work screen? Because every yes is a no somewhere else. Every yes is a no to time with kids, to having relationships with friends where you're not comparing your deleted scenes to someone else's highlight reel that they edited five times before they posted it. Every yes is a no somewhere else. And it begs us to just ask the question, if, we're, if we want to use our time wisely, how much time should we actually give to media and technology? Because media and technology in and of itself, it's not like evil, but it can go wrong. It can go awry. It can take up time that we didn't want to give to it. It's good at that. And so when I was thinking about this question, I was going through the scriptures and I was like, man, the apostles never had Snapchat or Instagram. Uh, so uh, what, what are we going to talk about today? And I found that the apostles did. In the scriptures, we do find scriptures on how we use our time how we use our time. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a letter that a guy named Paul wrote. And he speaks to how we use our time. I think it's going to be really helpful for our relationship with technology. But something you need to know about Paul is he wasn't always named Paul. Paul used to be this guy named Saul. And Saul was not a good dude. Saul was, uh, he was very religious. Uh, he was very uh, zealous, but he was not a Christian he was Jewish, and he did not like Christians at all. He actually was quite violent towards Christians. He hurt them really bad. There's kids in here, and I can't say what he's, all the things that he did. He was persecuting the church. He wanted to stamp out the church so it didn't exist anymore. He was not a good dude. He was a thug. And then all of that changed. And it changed because, not because someone came and said, hey, Saul, here's, here's five different logical arguments for why you should follow Jesus. It's not because someone came and played him some nice music and had, he had some emotional experience. He met Jesus for himself. He had an experience with the risen Savior. And that changed who he was. And he didn't go by Saul anymore. He realized that he was using his, all of his time, all of his life, he was devoting it to something that wasn't worth it. Something that didn't give a return because he had encountered Jesus. And he became Paul. And Paul became the most educated, the most effective, uh, the most influential evangelist in the first century. He planted all these churches and, uh, around the Mediterranean Rim. He brought Christianity all the way to Europe. I mean, if you're a Christian today, you can say, thank God for Paul. Because he wrote like, uh, like almost a third of the New Testament. And it's all these letters that he wrote. And one of the letters that he wrote in there was to this church in Ephesus, which is essentially in, in modern-day Turkey. And Ephesus was an interesting town. It was actually a city. It was a very large city at the time. And Ephesus had all this cultural diversity, all this religious diversity, and the people there that were Christians didn't have the Jewish background that Paul had because Christianity first came out of Judaism. Jesus was Jewish. The disciples were Jewish. And then Jesus came and brought a new revelation of who God truly is. And so these people that were, were Gentiles, people that were not Jewish beforehand, they were like, well, okay, there's all this cool new stuff, there's all these neat ideas, there's all this stuff going on in the town that we live. How do we be Christian in all of that? 
How do we live as Christians? And Paul writes to them and he says, I want you to be imitators of God. I want you to be children of the light so that you can shine that light into the darkness of this world. And when he's talking about that, he says this, this little sentence. We're going to keep it real simple today. We're going to look at one sentence. Can we do that? One sentence? I think we can handle that. We're going to look at one sentence today. And we're going to just kind of pick it apart, and I think it's going to be really helpful in terms of how we spend our time. So let's look at the scripture. It's in Ephesians. And actually, before I do that, I want to let you know, if you don't have a Bible uh, or just want to take one home today, uh, if you want to do the analog version, we have some paper ones in the back. There's also a a lot of free apps that you can get on your smartphone, talking about technology. Uh, And and I want to let you know that those resources are available to you. But we're going to talk about this verse in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. This is what Paul writes to that church in, modern day, in what's now modern-day Turkey. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of the time, for the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So let, let's just pick this apart together. I think it's going to be helpful for all of us. He says to look carefully how you walk. Now, this, this word in the original language that Paul chose to, to write in, he was writing in Greek, this word uh, carefully actually is the same word where we get the word acrobat. So imagine for a second that you're, you're an acrobat and you're just walking on, on the tightrope and, and uh, you have to be very careful. You need to walk with precision. You need to make sure that you put your foot in the right spot because if you don't, you're going to fall. Or some of you, you have dogs at home and you know that when you go out into the yard and to that part of the yard, you know what I'm talking about? You need to be careful where you put your feet. Otherwise, you might step in some dog business that you don't want to. Or when I run, uh, and when I say that I run, it's not pretty, and it's slow, and not very far. But when I do run, uh, I run around this lake, and there's some geese that like to hang out at the lake. And I have to watch where I step so I don't step in geese business. And so it's important for us when it comes to our time. Paul's saying that we should look carefully, like acrobats. Look carefully, then, how you walk. But there's a really important nuance in this little sentence. It says, it doesn't just say, look carefully where you walk. It doesn't say, look carefully where you put your feet. That's important stuff. But he says, look, then, how you walk. Look at the means, the manner, the way that you're walking through life. And when you look carefully at the way that you're walking through life, you can start to do that with wisdom. And this is important because a lot of us, a lot of us, we have uh, we have things that we do uh, that 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 like a, a TV show or maybe Facebook or certain environments and technologies that we use that aren't bad. Those aren't bad places to go. That website, at least, it's not like those websites. That show, well, I'm going to the place that that show goes. And where we walk is important, but it's also important to consider how you walk, because how you walk is as important to God as where you walk. When you go to that website that's not necessarily bad, does that still make you feel discontent? Does it still bring you to a place where maybe you're thinking thoughts that you shouldn't be thinking? Does it bring you to a place where where you're angry where you're dissatisfied, does it bring you towards God or does it bring you away from God? You have to do a heart check because sometimes the means and the manner that we walk is not helpful. 
It's not edifying. It's not good. But the place that we're walking isn't necessarily bad. So another way to say this is that it's not too hard to, to inappropriately use your time in places that aren't necessarily inappropriate. That makes sense? It's not hard to use your time inappropriately in places that aren't necessarily inappropriate. So what do we do? What we do is we walk carefully and, and we look at how we walk. We look carefully at how we walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And this is really important because if you turn through the pages of Scripture and you're trying to think, man, should I steal something or not? Uh, it, it's it's going to be pretty easy as you turn through the pages of Scripture to say, okay, maybe I shouldn't steal. But should, should I spend three hours watching these shows on Netflix? That one's a little more gray, isn't it? There isn't an ex- explicit scripture that says, well, this is how much time you should spend. And these are the places that you should or shouldn't walk. And we have to use wisdom. Wisdom is what we use when there's not a hard and fast rule. And I, I like what Pastor Chris says. If there's not an explicit scripture, default to Proverbs. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. If you want to know what God would say, in fact, you, you want to use God's wisdom. God's wisdom is what we use when there's no hard and fast rule about how to do this. So we look carefully then how we walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most for the time, because the days are evil. When I was a kid, uh, my favorite place to have my birthday was Chuck E. Cheese. How many of you have been to Chuck E. Cheese? You know what this is all about. It's a casino for kids, isn't it? It's awesome. Uh, it, it, was, it was so much fun. And if you've never been, this is, this is essentially the concept. So mom and dad gives you money. They give you dollar bills, and you take those dollar bills, and you go to this little machine, and you put it in. And they don't give you quarters for the games. What do they give you? They give you tokens, right? So they give you some tokens, and uh, you take your tokens, you put them in a little bag or in your pocket or whatever, and then you go over to the games, because the games don't take quarters, so you have to have the tokens. So you go over to the games, and and then you put your tokens in the games, and if you do well, you get tickets, baby, yeah! So if you get the tickets, and this is really important that you get tickets, because if you don't get any tickets, then you just play games. If, if, you, if you get tickets, you can go to the ticket store and get all sorts of awesome things like bouncy balls and slinkies and, and a little itty-bitty stuffed animal that mom and dad had to spend $50 on tokens for you to get this little thing that was just a piece of junk. And, and it's just awesome and it's so much fun, right? Because it's the casino for kids, baby. Anyway, <laughs> so something that, something that my friends figured out, uh, my friends and I figured out really, really quickly is there were some games that when you played those games, if you did well, then you got some tickets. But there's other games that if you played well, you got lots of tickets, okay? So if, if you were over and you were playing skee-ball, and I, I don't know what skee-ball is like today, but when I was a kid, when I played skee-ball, even if you did really well, even if you did really well, you, you just you didn't get a lot of tickets for as many tokens as you had to use. But there was this other game over here where, where the light would spin around and go around really, really, really fast, and then you'd have the button, and if you hit the button, then the light lands in that little spot. That, you know what I'm talking about? You know this game? You played this game? If you get it in that spot, you can get tons of tickets for your token. It, it's the way to redeem your tickets or redeem your tokens. 
It's the best way to do it. So we spent a lot of time, not with skee-ball, but with the circle light thingy game. We, we figured that out just as kids. It's, it's not that hard. And, and, and Paul, this is what he's saying. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. This, this word, making the best use in the original language, it's kind of a financial word. It means to redeem. It means to bring value from the time. And, and, and Paul's essentially saying that, hey, why are you over here playing skee-ball? when you could be playing this and, and getting so much more for your time. Because the days are evil. We only get so much time. Mom and dad only gave me so many dollars so I could get so many tokens. And the thing is that that was a gift. Mom and dad didn't look at Chuck E. Cheese and say, man, this is a great investment strategy. We're going we're gonna to give Nick uh, $50. I, don't, I hope they never gave me that much. But uh, we're going to give Nick a, a pile of cash, and then he's going to go play some games and win some junk. Like, th that was never their investment strategy. It was a gift. It was something they wanted me to enjoy. And for us, the time that we get in life is limited. The time that we get with our kids is limited. The time that we get in life is limited. And it's a gift from God that he wants us to invest wisely. He wants us to invest our time wisely. So with technology, with media, with relationships, with our spiritual life, all of the decisions that we make, every yes is a no somewhere else. And God wants us to take the time that we have and to invest it in places that are wise, that are redeeming because the days are evil. The days just seem to slip away. It seems like all of us are running out of a time. We're always so busy. There's very little space in calendars. A lot of us carry a lot of stress. The days are evil. And the reality is the days are evil, not just because they're slipping away. There's things out there that aren't good for us. There's places that we walk that aren't good for us. There's ways that we walk in places that aren't bad, but the way we walk isn't good for us. Jesus, he told this story um, of, a, of a master, and the master had three servants, and the servant, uh, the master went away for a period of time. And during that time, the master entrusted some talents, or you could say tokens, maybe, uh, some talents to these servants. We talked about this story a couple weeks ago. And uh, the, for, to the first servant, he gave 10 talents, or tokens. We'll call them talents. Uh, and, and then to the second servant, he gave five talents. And to the third servant, he gave one. And then the master went away, and after a period of time, the master came back and said, so what did you do with the talents? And the one that had 10, he had invested it. He had redeemed them. He had given more value from what he was given. And so he made 10 more. And the guy with five, he made five more. But then there was the guy with one. And the guy with one, he didn't really understand what his master's character was like. And he didn't really redeem anything. He just kind of hid it in the ground. And, and the master was like, well, why didn't you just put it in the bank and get some interest on it, get some, some value out of it. And that didn't work too well for 
the master's relationship with that servant. And, and, and here's the deal. God gives us our time as a gift, and he wants us to invest that well. And it's not so that we don't make God angry. It's because he wants us to live life to the full, to use the things that he's given us to their, to their extreme and to enjoy them as much as possible. And sometimes technology falls in that realm, and sometimes it, it takes away from that. And, and so God is, is saying that I have a gift for you Use it wisely. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of your time with technology, with relationships, with everything. Making the most of your time. And if there's one thing that I would, I would like everyone to remember today, uh, and, and this is something you might want to write down, uh, is that when we go to a device, uh, there's nothing wrong with it, with um, technology or media or anything like that. But if we ask this question, I think it's going to help us to make some wiser decisions and to get the most from our time. And the question is this, is there a wiser way? Well, the question didn't work. Technology failed. <laughs> technology failed. That's all right. This is what I want you to write down. Is there a wiser way to get more from the time? Is there a wiser way to get more from this time? Before you grab that remote, before you pick up your phone, before you pick up your iPad, before you turn on Netflix, is there a wiser way to get more from this time? It's a pretty innocent question, but it's a good filter. So when you get home today and you're like, well, man, what are we going to do with our Saturday? Uh, well, I mean, we have time together. Maybe instead of texting together, we can talk together. Maybe instead of uh, uh, watching together, we can play together. We will get more for our time together that way. Because we only have so much of the weekend. And we only have so much before you go off to college. And we only have so much time. It's important, isn't it? And you know, sometimes the answer is there's not a wiser way. You're just sitting in here waiting for the dentist to call you in. We'll pull out angry birds and kill those green pigs, okay? Like, that's, that's fun. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's important. It's important for us because we only have so much time, and every yes is a no to something else. So it's important for us to ask is there a wiser way to get more from this time? Uh, last week, I was uh, doing some work at home. I was just sitting on the computer and you know, doing, doing my work. And I got a phone call from my friend named Ashley. And Ashley uh, is um, someone, she's pregnant, she's married to Brian, and they're moving. Well, uh, if you're pregnant, moving really big, heavy boxes is just, probably don't want to do that too much. Uh, and so she had uh, called me and said, hey, Nick, um, we put out a Facebook invite to a bunch of people to come help us move, but... It's the middle of the day, and, uh, and really just no one came. Do you have time where maybe you could come and, and uh, help, help us move? And I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was sitting there in front of my computer with my phone, and I'm like, yes. But inside, I'm like, no! <laughs> moving, moving stinks. Moving is hard. It's sweaty, and it's gross, and I don't want to do it. But... I know that it's right, and I'm a pastoral intern, so I have to. <laughs> oh, boy, there's so much unhealthy with what I just said. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so 
That is not a free license to call me for anything you want, by the way. <laughs> what was that number? Yeah, that's right. So, so I, wasn't, I was no hero by going to help them out, okay? My motivations were not pure. <laughs> they were not the best. And, but after I helped them get all the heavy stuff moved in, it was hard work. We, we were moving all the heavy stuff in and, and uh, got it all loaded into the Penske, and their apartment was packed. So there was a lot of stuff. And um, uh, later that day when, when we were done, I went back home and had to get back to work. And when I got on the computer, I saw that I had some notifications on Facebook. And uh, so I saw this. Of course, I'm going to check it out because it's a notification. I was tagged in a photo. What, what's this about? And it turns out, it turns out that Ashley, while she was sitting there, and, and she did what she could, but she was pregnant. She couldn't lift all the heavy stuff. And she took a picture of me and Brian hauling those heavy boxes. And it's not flattering. So if you go on Facebook, <laughs> it's not a flattering photo. But uh, she, she took a picture, and there were all these people that were commenting on it and saying, hey, good luck. We wish you the best. I didn't even know you were moving. This is exciting. And, and it's a new and exciting phase of their life. And when I saw that, I realized that I, I was really glad that it wasn't just a notification that day. I got to have a front row seat to what God was doing in their life, to love them and serve them. And, and I wasn't like a hero or anything, like my motivations weren't good, and maybe they were at work. There's lots of reasons. It's not like they don't have other awesome friends. They have tons of great friends. But I had the opportunity to say yes with my time to something that was worth it. It was worth it. And I'd do it again. I'm so glad that I used my time that way, that God helped me to use it in a way that was wise, that it... it blessed someone else. I got more from that time, they got more from that time, and God was honored in that time, and, and I would do it again. And it's kind of hard to be the hands and feet of Jesus from the other side of a screen. It's not that it can't be done. But is it the wisest way? Is, is there a wiser way to get more from the time? Jesus, he was on earth for about 33-ish years. He did ministry for only three years. He didn't really get out of a, a circumference of about 60 miles. And yet Jesus was the most influential human being to ever live. Ever. And it's not because he was a human being, though he was. He was and he used his time well, and he used it uh, in very particular ways. And there were some people that would come and say, hey, give me food, or hey, heal me. But Jesus had to use his time well. And he knew where he needed to work and what he needed to do so that people would experience him and his grace and his love. And now he does that through us as the church. And we're called to be a part of that. We get to decide. We get to say yes to what God is doing. And we get to have a front row seat. And I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine what it would look like if this community, if this community could have that front row seat on so many more opportunities. How many things we, we just miss because Facebook's an easy and accessible option. How many opportunities do we miss to be the hands and feet of Jesus? And I think that God would love, would love to take the time that we have and to redeem it in the same way that he's redeemed us from our brokenness, our sin. He loves us. 
He wants us to experience life to the full. And, and I think that if we ask this question, is there a wiser way to get more from this time? We'll be able to have a front row seat to that. So that's my prayer for us today. Will you stand and we'll pray to that end. Holy Father, we are so grateful that you have given us the gift of time. And as we uh, use that time with technology and relationships and you and work and all the things that we have to manage, Lord, would you give us wisdom and would you give us the courage to use that wisdom well, to apply it, to activate it, and that we would have a front row seat to the things that you're doing in the world. That we would be able to see all the wondrous things, the things that you're healing, the things you're restoring, and that you would teach us to number our days so that we would have a heart of wisdom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, I want to let you know there's some people over here that would love to talk with you and hear your story. Have a great rest of your weekend.